When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will Paul on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode, third episode of the week. Again, had the uh, Chiefs Jets reaction just myself on Monday. Brad Spielberg yesterday on the pod talking a little Jets Chiefs and starting to preview this Jets Broncos game. Uh, no better person to kind of hop on with me. First time on the pod, first uh, first appearance, JP Acosta, SB Nation. JP, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. This is fun. I haven't really done a lot of Jets podcasts. This is going to be exciting. I love I love talking about the Jets. I love their games. They rock. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, no, I'm excited to uh, excited to have you on. I've been, you know, you've been doing a lot of great stuff, obviously. And, uh, you know, excited to, excited to have you on. It's been kind of a weird week. Come off a loss, you're in a three-game losing streak. And I haven't seen this much optimism on the Jets timeline, and my Twitter timeline, the X timeline, whatever, in – in a while since pre Aaron Rodgers, I mean, like you know, since him pre injury, is that ex- is that excitement kind of warranted coming off a of Sunday? Because again, you're coming off a loss, you're going to play a Broncos team who sucks. But you know, this is the classic Jets trap game, right? Like, why do you feel like there is such excitement? I guess maybe coming off a of Sunday, uh, you know, in a kind of that nail nail biting twenty three twenty loss. So I think the excitement is coming from a couple of places. First of all, the 23-20 loss, you took the defending champs to the limit, one. Second, Zach Wilson played the best game of his career. I mean, that's very it's very comfortable to say, like, that was the best game he's ever played in the Jets uniform. I think in the second half of that game, he started to calm down. There's a lot more confidence. It looked like the offense was able to move the ball off of play action, and that's something that you really haven't been able to see a lot of with Zach Wilson over throughout his career. So maybe there's like a little bit of hope, you know, where like, Hey, maybe he can turn this around. Maybe he can at least keep the wheel on the road, you know, keep the car on the road. You don't have to like go completely into like danger zone, Tom Cruise, mission impossible. You don't, you don't want to do that with Zach Wilson. Just keep the, keep the wheel on the road, keep the wheel straight and let the defense kind of do rest of the work. And then I think the last point for optimism is, the Broncos kind of stink. <laughs> like this, they're on track to be one of the worst defenses ever. So there's a little bit of optimism where you go, hey, maybe if we put together another good performance, then you never know what could happen. Yeah, look, I think kind of going into the season, I think an optimistic fan, obviously, again, this is with, with Aaron Rodgers, you would have thought four and twos, 
optimistic but realistic. Three and three is probably the goal. Just I mean, it's a really hard schedule. They play four of the or five of the six best defenses in football. Not, I mean, there's obviously a couple other ones, you know, in there sprinkled in, including the Jets defense themselves. But <clears throat> New England, Casey, no easy feet on defense. I think their defenses are not even not as good as, you know, Dallas, uh, Buffalo. Obviously, the Jets see Philly next week. And you would have assumed Denver's defense would have been good because that's been their staple for the last five, six years. And unfortunately, there's a lot of parallels, uh, you know, for a long time until the Jets got Aaron Rodgers with the Broncos and the Jets were really strong defense you know, some good skill guys or whatever. And you were trying to figure out, can we just get the quarterback to, to not suck? And you just, you know, obviously the Jets get Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. The schedule opens up in a drastic way. Um, honestly, starting this week outside of Philly, you don't play a team. I think you don't feel like you have a good chance of beating until the, you know, the Bills game. They play the Raiders who are in absolute turmoil at, at the moment. The Giants are Giants might be the worst team in football. And, you know, the Chargers are coming West, you know, coming West Coast to East Coast on a primetime game. You know, Brandon Staley is going to go for it on his own 25-yard line and cost his team the game. So it's like win this Denver game and you start to say, Philly's a house money game. We just took, we beat the Bills. We took the, you know, we took the champs to the wire. Why can't we beat Philly? And then you obviously have three games after that close by that are quite favorable. You have teams like Atlanta, Washington, Houston, and et cetera, you know, at home later in the year. We talk a lot about you talk, and I know you talk, tweet a lot about the Jets defense and stuff like that. I guess, you know, Jets fans, and I, I think it's kind of this mentality a little bit of the 2009, 2010 days where like they gave up 10 points, 13 points a game. And the NFL is just different now. I think I believe they're 22 games in a row, not allowing 300 yard passer, which is insane considering the division they're in. How good is this defense? And, you know, is it just good or is it at that elite level that we kind of consider the, Browns, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles, those teams? I think they are very good, borderline elite. And one of the things that stands out about this team is how fast they play at every level. They have speed at every level. You talk about the defensive line, of course, you think of Quentin Williams, but Bryce Huff is awesome. He's a rotational, like he's a designated pass rusher, but he's one of the best designated pass rushers in the league, just in terms of pressures, Drawing penalties, the safety against the uh, Chiefs that was drawn because Jawan Taylor did not know Bryce Huff was that fast. Will McDonald still coming along as a rookie. You get him in the designated pass rush packages. You get John Franklin Myers on the inside. They have so many guys that can do so many different things up front. It allows you to be versatile. It allows you to be fast, be physical. At linebacker, I love Quincy Williams, former Jaguar. He is for my money, the best form tackler in the NFL. And that's my kind of like crotchety old man take. Like nobody actually really knows how to tackle except for Quincy Williams. That dude can tackle, but he's played some of his best football in his career so far this year. CJ Mosley is still very good as a middle linebacker. And in the secondary, you just have guys who are fast and physical. They all fit the mold of a Robert Sala defense. I think they don't have to run a lot of disguise coverages i don't think they want to run a lot of disguise coverages we're just we're gonna get in what we get in and you have to beat us at every level try and stop us so i think they are one of the best defenses in the league i just you know you're on the field for a long time the numbers start to wane off a little bit because you're just there a lot yeah no that's that's the biggest thing is can they get the can they get a lead can they start faster i think you know it's hard the buffalo gave me take out a little bit just because that's the gut punch of all gut punches. It happens four plays in the game. The last three games, it felt like 
And again, I said this yesterday on yesterday's pod too. I'm not insinuating anyone's quitting. I'm not saying Ryan Clark said as much on on Get Up. I believe yesterday he said, as a defensive player, you go in if you don't feel like you have a chance on offense. It's really hard to play defense. And the second you saw that Jets defense, I mean the Jets offense, give that defense a little semblance of life and said, no, we're going to play with you. The defense gave up six points the rest of the game and over three quarters against Patrick Mahomes. Right, like that's really damn impressive. Again, I'm not taking out the previous two weeks. But I also think you had to see something from this Jets offense with Zach Wilson under center to kind of say, you know, what do we have here? They have a really good opportunity. If you get to stop the first drive and the Jets go get points early on, they still don't have a you know first quarter touchdown. It's kind of the one thing that's still really hanging over this team. Go out, get points early. And, and you know this, and, and I think <laughs> it's a kind of old cliche. If you play a bad football team, the worst thing you can do is let them in the game early on. They start to believe they're tack. They're actually trying to tackle. Um, do you kind of buy into that? Like if you punch the Broncos in the face, they're like, they're kind of done. I know they came back last week, but they're also playing the bears who are giving them a run for the worst team in the NFL. So I, I do believe that if you give them a bit of, if you give them a bit of life, they will come back into the game. And we saw that last week with the jets playing the chiefs. If you gave the chiefs gave the jets a little bit of leeway. They get them a little bit of ground that they can make up. Zach Wilson comes out in the second half, deliver, just dealing. And then you can start to feel the momentum. You start to feel the energy start to rise back in the stadium, back amongst the team. And then, like, you know, they take the lead. And it's like, okay, now we actually have a football game right here. So I do think there is something, too. You know, you don't want to let a team that you know you are going to be favored against, you don't want to let them in the game early. You want to stomp that fire out real quick. You know, and especially with the Broncos team that has, like you said, just made a big comeback. You don't want them to have any sort of hope, any sort of energy. You want to kill all that momentum immediately because this Jets defense, like we said, they're so fast. They play a lot better when they can pin their ears back and not have to worry about the other team running the ball because they're in a deficit. Yeah, no, it's something that Robert Sala talked a lot about in soft season was part of the reason for kind of going in all, all in with Aaron Rodgers was, hey, if we can just get leads early on, we can get leads going to the third and fourth quarter. No one's stopping this defense. That's when they are they become, you look at even, you know, San Francisco is amazing, incredible defense. We saw when there's no threat on offense, the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, I know quarterback injuries happened, right? And we can talk about Brock Purdy for two hours and whether he's good or not good. The Eagles didn't give a shit about, the 49ers offense after he gets hurt in those early on. And they just punched it down the Eagles throat over and over again, because his defense is built on speed, rushing the passer and a good secondary. And it's great as, you know, <laughs> the, the Niners linebackers are, they're not going to be able to take on five offense. Line. Like that's the whole point. And I know a lot of Jets fans this week were kind of on me because I was talking about how good they are against the pass. And like, Oh, well they give up a lot against the run. It's like, yeah, because they're down 10, nothing early on. And because teams are not, they've shown this year, we're not throwing outside the numbers. We have no interest in even testing Sauce or DJ Reed. Their safety play has been better. Quincy Williams, you mentioned, has been – I was really hard on Quincy two years ago because I felt like there was games where he looked amazing and other games it was like if C.J. Mosley wasn't like, yo, run through the B-gap. And he like if he just – he just kind of felt like a, a boomer bust guy last year, evened out a little bit more. And then this year, he's put it all together. Just this defense is built off of – getting a lead early on and being able to, that's how most defenses are really supposed to be built in 2023. Um, we kind of talk about how bad the Broncos are and stuff. Like what's kind of gone into that? Because again, as I mentioned, like I didn't think they were going to be great this year, but I didn't think they were going to be historically worse defense and like 
Sean Payton and Russell Wilson would still be kind of beefing, but like low key actually producing. It's really confusing. Like, what do you make of the Broncos, I guess, overall through four weeks? The Broncos are just really weird vibes. Like, you know how you can tell, like, it's not bad vibes from a team. Like the Bears are a bad vibes team. The Broncos just kind of weird. Nothing really like is making sense. Like we talked about a lot with this Broncos defense. That was supposed to be what kind of held them in games while Russ figured it out with the Sean Payton offense. That hasn't happened. I think the transition from an Idro Evero, Fangio style of defense to Vance Joseph and a completely different defensive philosophy is a lot bigger than we let on at the beginning of the season. That, that just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked so far. The pass rush has been somewhat non-existent, and you can chalk that up to maybe, maybe Baron Browning's not in the game yet. You know, Randy Gregory, who was just released, hasn't been producing. You can chalk it up to anything, but the pass rush just hasn't been there, and that's hurting the defensive backfield, which Patrick Sertan has, again, been awesome, but you don't have another corner outside of Patrick Sertan, and that's they're, they're still trying to figure that out. So defensively, it just hasn't been great. And now that you, you're running a lot more man coverage, a lot more cover three, a lot more cover one, now teams can start to find the weak link on that defense because you're only running cover three and he's isolated so much. Now you're just finding him and just throwing at him, not throwing uh, Sertan. Offensively, it's been weird because Russ has been fine. Like it's been, he hasn't been worth $250 million, but he's been fine. Like objectively, like he went from the worst quarterback in the NFL to at least average, but there's still problems along the offensive line. There, there are still times where Russ kind of has too much dip on his chip. He completely loses it. It's just a, they're just a weird team. I don't, I don't understand much when it comes to the Broncos because you expected them, like I expect them going into the season to be kind of a, we're getting the bigger personnel, run the ball, and then let Russ kind of take the shots off a of deep, hard play action. We've seen that, but it hasn't been super successful yet. And I think a lot of that is due to the offensive line issues. Yeah. Look, they're, they've had it, the Raiders and Broncos are kind of in a similar spot where I feel like they're caught between two. They tried to kind of go all in and it didn't work. And now they got either a new staff or they've got younger players that like are really frustrated. They're not winning. We've seen, you know, Garrett Bowles talked about, it. he was like, Oh, I've been, I've been here for seven years and all we do is effing lose and whatever. That sucks to happen. That's already happening. week two or week three. Sean Payne, obviously like, again, not, not, I don't feel bad for him. He took on the worst contract in football and you knew what you were signing up for. But again, I'm sure he wants his own kind of personality. He wants to shape the organization the right way. And it doesn't take one, you know, four games to do so. It, it's, you mentioned the Broncos kind of the edge pass rush is a huge problem. Um, at, you know, as you mentioned, obviously, and Damari Mathis has probably played like the worst corner in football through four weeks. As you mentioned, like, why would we throw a Patrick Sertan when the other side has the worst graded corner in football through four weeks? Um, I, I guess kind of a larger question just in terms of Russell Wilson, right? We talk a lot about the Zach Wilson stuff and it's kind of annoying just because this is like a, it's a short-term thing. Is Russ, I know he's played better through four weeks. You know, analytically, he looks like a better player, but he kind of has been declining now for three or four years. And I, is it, is it just a matter of the on the field stuff, I guess, is the bigger question? Or is it like, you know, Marshawn Lynch kind of aired Russ out big time yesterday? And like, I've never seen someone so calmly just destroy somebody, like not even mean spirited. He was just like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do here. 
we've heard so many stories and they'll, they'll office it. Like it goes on and on. Could that ever be fixed? Cause like a lot of these guys are the same teammates that hated Russ seven, eight months ago. It's, it's so weird with Russ. Like, I think kind of the off field stuff is just like, yeah, this dude's kind of a cornball like that. We knew that we knew that about Russ, you know, he did, he was doing up downs on a airplane to London, you know, that's cornball stuff, but that we knew that going in on the field. It was always a question of, okay, there's nowhere to go, but up from 2022, but how high does he have to go for it to be enough for them to compete for a playoff spot? Because you don't pay Russell Wilson $250 million just to be okay. You pay Russ $250 million to go to the playoffs. In a loaded AFC, how good does he have to be at age 35? He's been better this year, but it hasn't been enough. And I think that's a lot of like, that's that's due to Russ just being old, you know? Like he, he can't do the same stuff that he used to be able to do. He cannot carry a team by himself. He needs help. Every quarterback, every player, when they get to a certain age, like I can't do this on my own, especially in football where there's 11 guys doing 11 separate jobs you have to be able to help your quarterback out and whether it's through defense whether it's through run support he hasn't gotten any of that this year you know he hasn't gotten the defense the runs the run has been up and down so now you really have to bank on russ throwing the ball a lot and we know what happens when russ throws the ball a lot it goes and let russ cook offense and that's just not where sean payton wants russ to live in 2023 at age 35 so I don't necessarily say like oh is Russ cooked I don't think he's cooked it's just he's old (laughs) like he's not going to age gracefully in the way that like an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady does because that was never his style of play he was never a quick game passer point guard he was going to use his athleticism to mask for the inefficiencies in the quick game and he had one of the best arms in football he can still get the deep ball down there, but now that the athleticism is waned off, you need to find something to supplant the quick game, and they haven't been able to do that for the last two years, year and a half. Yeah, it's a, you mentioned style of play. I think that's a huge thing. He was never he was rough starting over the middle was like a roller coaster. It barely ever happened, but when it did, it was either horrendous or though once in a while it would go good. The biggest thing is I don't, and again, I'm not blaming anybody, especially these guys that get, you know, we saw with Eli Manning took a ton of shots and, you know, early in his career. It's like, by the, by the time you hit 35, like, dude, I do not want to get hit anymore, especially if it's not worth it. What made Russ special was that his legs and he could run around and he would kind of run, not the same way Mahomes does, obviously, but early on in his career, it was like, he's, he's running to be able to pass. It wasn't like I'm running to run. And um, I think Jordan Palmer called it like replacement runners where like, it was more of like he's going to get you for 15 once in a while, but it was always on third and eight when you like you at least can give up that that ball. And, you know, when you don't have a good old line, that's what I think one of the big keys, you know, going into Sunday is like the Jets. I mean, we talked about getting the lead early because the mentality thing. It's also you want Russ throwing the ball 40, 45 times because he'll put up good numbers, but they almost always lose. Like the Seahawks were never better when. Russ through 35, 40 times. The Broncos have clearly never been better when when Russ does that. You kind of want Russ in like 25 throws a game to two or three big time shots that that win you a football game, as you mentioned. Um, I guess what are some other keys, you know, kind of going into Sunday? Like what are some of the matchups you're looking for and saying, hey, if this goes whoever's way, like they end up probably winning the football game? Because obviously Peyton's a more established coach, but Sal's probably got more on the line. Doesn't have that Walmart money. Yeah, I think – the biggest thing to me is 
continue to make Zach Wilson comfortable in play action. That was the biggest thing that stood out in the Jets' loss to the Chiefs, how comfortable Zach Wilson got in play action, turning his back to the defense, then reading the coverage after that. That was his biggest problem at BYU. That was his biggest problem through the first few years of the NFL. He turns his back to the defense, and then he has to read the coverage. The pocket starts collapsing. Everything is so much quicker, and he's not quick enough. So this past game, I feel like he was so much more decisive. He was getting the ball out. He knew where he was going. It was one to two to three. He looked like an actual NFL quarterback. I wonder if they can continue to do that against a defensive line that, like we said, has been able to generate a lot of pass rush. There's a DB on the other side, not named Sertan, who you can go after a lot. I wonder if they're going to be able to continue to work in the play action game and help give Zach Wilson some of those windows that, you know, like a lot of the Shanahan McVay quarterbacks get off of play action, boot action. Can you give him those kind of windows and can Zach Wilson not just be accurate, but be decisive. If you see it, take it, just throw the ball. Do not let a bad play turn into a catastrophe. Yeah, it's it's also, you know, the biggest thing, and I talked a lot about this earlier in the week, but a couple times to Garrett Wilson, they're only five-yard bubble screens. Dude, it's second and five. The entire playbook's open. That's a huge – that's a positive play. It's a completion. You get Garrett Wilson touches. You keep him engaged. You stay ahead of the sticks. Um, you know, that and, and him using his legs, take the six yards. Take five yards. Take two yards. Two yards is better than throwing the football away sometimes. It's, you know, it's not just, you know, you scramble outside the pocket, don't make the bad decision. He's athletic enough to take four, five, six yards at a time. Um, I'd love to see them early on in this football game basically just run Brees Hall, four or five oh, straight yeah. carries off the right side, line Jeremy Ruckert up. You can do Conklin and Ruckert on one side, go behind Beckton. I mean, go behind AVT and Tittman and just say, you just released your best edge player. We're going to run a Nick Benito, five straight plays because he's a really fun pass rusher at times. I don't want Nick Benito in the run game, and I don't want Nick Benito getting mauled by Joe Tittman and AVT. So, and just say, no, we're going to establish this kind of – then all of a sudden the play action. Now the Broncos are like, we can't really sit in soft zone. We can't really sit in a soft cover three because <laughs> the Jets are just going to punch us in the mouth in the box, and then Zach Wilson can open up. The, I know it's like you want to get Zach rolling early on. You know, I know they tried to do that against Kansas City. But you can get Zach rolling early on by saying they're going to have wide open windows to throw because they're petrified of Brees Hall breaking one. And he's going to break one. I know there's some people were my mentions this week. Oh, Brees looks slow. I'm like – I'm not sure he looks slow. I think he's that 25. He's this close in that 23 mile an hour cut off the the bad knee at full speed is a different level of confidence that you just you don't see four weeks in. Um, last two things here. One, what do you think ends up happening on Sunday? And then I can ask you one Jaguars question because I I have a I've a kind of I just have one thought for you. But what do you think ends up happening uh, on Sunday? I think the Jets end up taking the win here. I think Zach Wilson will be able to, like I said, keep the keep the car in the middle of the road. I think that's something he'll be able to do because this Broncos defense just hasn't been great. Like you said, one of my other things was get Brees Hall involved, and that's something that they're going to be able to do a lot. Like you said, Nick Benito's great as a pass rusher. He's also 230 pounds. That's just not going to live on the uh, right side of the offensive line. So get Brees Hall involved, get him running downhill, I think the Jets are going to be able to take this. They'll get into an early lead, and then you allow that defense to really pin their ears back. I think they're going to be able to walk away with a win. You kind of get Robert Salas some uh, 
get Robert Sala and Nate Hackett some much needed validation against the the haunting words of Sean Payton from the beginning of the season. Yeah. So I think that's the I think that's what I see happening uh on Sunday. I, I'm still kind of leaning like a 27-17 win that's not really particularly close. It's one of those games that like the Jets probably get a defensive touchdown or special like some type of like you know, they score 17 on offense, kick a couple field goals or, you know, whatever it is. I, again, I don't think they're asking Zach to be a superhero, but I also think like it's letting him rip within structure. I, I, I keep having to emphasize that this does not mean Zach scramble outside the pocket and have like the Titans game last year. As cool as that Titans game was two or three years ago when he was a rookie, um, that's not repeatable. The repeatable stuff is, you know, play action, you have a nice pocket. The offensive line's been significantly better the last two weeks. Build on that. I want to ask you a hypothetical Jaguars question, just because we're talking about this. The kind of the dialogue around Trevor and Justin Herbert. How much did last year's playoff game in that second half kind of buy Trevor a lot more time away from criticism in terms of like he got the playoff win and then they played decently against Kansas City, Mahomes injury or not? Versus Herbert, like if Herbert wins that game, are we like talking still about like does Herbert have the clutch gene, whatever? Like, how much did that game help Trevor like kind of buy a year or two of like skating any criticism, regardless of what happens this year? <laughs> I think it not only bought Trevor a little bit of time, I think it bought the Jaguars a lot of time because this was year one of the Doug Peterson Jaguars nope. experience. This was supposed to be like I'd said at the beginning of that season, I'm cool with just six wins. You know, you, we cut the we cut the line at six. We look good, and we go into twenty twenty three thinking, okay, now we start to build. Now we start to make the playoff run. We did that a year early, so it's like, okay, now it's not only like you bought yourself a little time, but you've also kind of, I guess, not only bought yourself a, more time in terms of criticism, but you've also reduced the margin for error a little bit. You can't have like. You can't lose 37-17 to the Texans. Like that, that can't happen this year, especially for this team. So I think it bought Trevor Lawrence, it bought the Jaguars a little bit more time. It bought them a little bit more, like, like you said, a little bit of blow blowback from criticism. I think also the Press Taylor announcement kind of buys them a little bit more. Everybody can be like, oh, it's Press Taylor's fault, even though Press Taylor was calling plays the second half of last season. So it bought them a little bit more time. On the Chargers side, I think it. I think that loss really wrecked Brandon Staley. Like that, I have never seen somebody the public opinion of a coach like Brandon Staley just go from like defensive mastermind, next genius head coach in like 2020 to he might get fired and replaced with Kellen Moore in the middle of this season. Like it, it the downfall happened very quickly. Um, a lot of it was very self-inflicted, like going for it with a quarterback sneak with your quarterback's left hand being in a splint on fourth and one when there's so many other things to do. But the loss to the Jaguars in the playoffs really, really reduced their margin for error. Like you cannot mess anything up, especially through, with the way they looked during the first two games of this season with blowing leads. It starts to bring back bad memories, you know. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. I think, you know, Doug's obviously got an established track record. Trevor's a guy that, while I don't know that I always bought that he's like the biggest can't-miss prospect ever, he was a pretty flawless prospect, obviously. And the Jaguars, like they've built, they had the worst situation ever with Urban, and they built a lot last year. But now you mentioned the Chargers stuff, and it'll be really interesting to see how this year goes because, you know, again, the AFC West is not what it was the last couple of years, like, 
the Broncos aren't obviously very good. The Raiders might be worse. And, you know, obviously the Chargers are that team where they're kind of in limbo of like, sure, on paper they should win 11 games, but they're also eating double-digit millions of dollars to have J.C. Jackson probably get his career revived in New England. So um, Brandon Staley is numbers i think unless they win a playoff game this year like there's no chance he's back just because that's such an attractive job with herbert locked up now long term and a lot of these younger pieces in the offensive line etc cetera, etc cetera. appreciate you obviously hopping on i know i was excited to, I, was, I was hoping that you were going to come on the power and talk some rogers and a jets jags playoff game for right now we'll hold off on, on both of those because the cj stradlett texans and D'Amico ryan's might be exactly what jets fans were hoping for when zach wilson and robert sala got there but uh regardless appreciate hopping on make sure you guys are checking out you know jp's work at uh at sb nation fun twitter follow if you like wwe and stuff like that uh you know good uh some good stuff there appreciate you hopping on my man thank you for having me on we'll definitely circle back to the rogers trevor playoff thing in 2024 <laughs> yeah, yeah well uh we had to take a little time but we'll, we'll we'll circle back to it appreciate you guys for uh appreciate you guys listening again make sure you check out the last two episodes this week this one will be dropping and then uh then we might have a special uh sunday recap pod depending on how things go um, appreciate everybody for listening we'll talk to you guys soon They don't see the field well. They, they can't pull the trigger. When they do pull the trigger, it feels like they make the wrong decision. So um, appreciate everybody for listening. Again, two episodes out today. Make sure you guys are plugged into those. Uh, enjoy the game Sunday. I'll be there so I don't have to listen to the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift nonstop jammed into my brain. You know, camera shots every two seconds. Don't get can't. I don't want to get canceled by the Swifties, but um, good for them. Careful. I just, I just I, good for them. I just. I'm going to, I want to watch football and enjoy football on, on Sunday. So uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll have one more set on Friday. Uh, take care and uh, talk to you guys soon.